Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, Dad, you're not going to believe what happened. You are truly not going to believe what happened. on purpose. That, I what a touch weak anything. technology has given here. us here at Super Talk. Technology is our friend in many ways, shapes, and forms, but it is also our violent enemy. And we must fight it at all times. Why is it the second the show begins? No other time has Richard lost connection this week. Four days in a row, the second yeah. the show begins, connection drops. And then we're good after that. Four days in a row. And it doesn't even make sense because it's happened in two different places, right? It's happened three times in the studio. Yesterday I was in my home office. It and, happened then. Which that was just like an internet glitch. I think drop, but eh. I think corner office has a kill switch thrown you somewhere and just like let's let's mess with them again and they just they just punch it. It's the it's the ghost that keeps turning off my lights, man. That's what's going on in here. What is going? Technology is having its way with us this week. It's not a good week for tech. Yeah, hey, good to see you not in the phone booth today, hey Dad. <laughs> no, I'm I'm back here in my my studio. No field hockey or lacrosse to speak of. So here we are. They we'll were planning back. on putting an equestrian event on the radio this afternoon, mm-hmm. but uh, mm-hmm. weather concerns canceled that. Uh, this I, is. Well, I was actually going to have to call that too. So oh. Are you disappointed? Yeah, like a, a little bit. I had some great stuff planned, you know. Oh, that you... horse is really getting after it. Let's go! So you and now the other horse is doing name? something, huh? You had not. I know I wasn't going to memorize like you know, chunky bananas, you know, bowl of pudding or whatever they call those horses. Chunky bananas, bowl of pudding. I've heard a lot of horse names. That's a new one to me, though. It's not very uh, regal. I, I, I just, I just read it off the sheet. Well, they were they were from Kosciuszko. What did the good people of Kosciuszko do for you to <laughs> the just first randomly take a shot head. at them? It was the first city that popped into my head. Love uh, you guys in Kosciuszko. Love the whippets. Another good fast start to Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort studio. Off Pearl River Resort in the home <laughs> of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino, where if you uh, had been there last night and you took advantage of Mississippi State laying oh six and a half at home, you um, 
you, you felt pretty good throughout the second half. Maybe not so much as the first half was dwindling down, but uh, if you did that, you were a winner. If you took advantage of the information that was provided to you during yesterday's PTG Outdoors Fishy Line of the Week, then uh, before you left last night, you went to the window and uh, collected. Or maybe you went the other way because you thought, nah, that makes really sense to do this. Never mind that it's fishy. Sports Talk Mississippi. PearlRiverResort.com. That is the website where you can learn more about the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. The Ceasefire text line is open 601 879 4395. 601 879 4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business. Learn more at ceasefire.com slash business. So, we had a basketball game last night in Starkville. It was funny because the first half of that game last night felt like a continuation of the second half of the previous game. And then the second half of last night's game felt like the possibility that um, uh, John Sunvold raised yesterday uh, when he coined it a rock fight. It felt very much like a rock fight in the second half. Although Mississippi State had bigger rocks than Ole Miss did in uh, in said rock fight. Uh, bigger rocks with more jagged and uh, deadly edges, perhaps. Um, Bulldogs win round two, 83-71. It's a 12-point win for Mississippi State, so not only do they win, but they cover in the game last night. Uh, watching, hey, Dad, you were there, and so your perspective may be a little bit different. I thought the crowd in the first half was just kind of, just kind of ho-hum. But it absolutely went to another level about midway through the second half when that technical foul was applied to Chris Beard on the sideline. And from then until the end, it felt like the atmosphere that I anticipated that we were going to have the whole time. Yeah, you know, the first few minutes of the first half when State was, was leading and, and it was it felt like they were in kind of control of the game mm-hmm. and the crowd was into it. And then Ole Miss makes that great run and gets gets the lead and takes it into the locker room. And there was there was definitely some, oh, no, you know, here, here we go again kind of feeling. But State came out second half, immediately tied the game up, immediately grabs the lead. And then, yeah, you're right from there. It, it was intense. And then when Beard gets the tee, it ratcheted up a notch. And then you have the moment where Keyshawn uh, Murphy hits the three pointer, and that's that's where that was where the, the the that was probably the biggest roar of the night. And from there, State was just in control. It was a huge shot, and I mean the tallest shot of the night too. I mean he he really arched. That it, it shot. got up there. It got way up. It, there. it was right up there with me. It was up there with me in the in the in the upper deck. You know, it's funny you say that because. The three that stands out for me with, what, about six minutes left to go in the game. Ole Miss had cut it to, did they cut it to four? I think they got it down to four. From a DJ Jeffries shot. And when DJ Jeffries hit the three from the corner, I thought, mm, that was a big one right there. For a guy that shoots 24% yeah. from behind the arc, no less. And he goes two yeah. for three last night. Isn't that kind yeah, of the that thing? Was, that, that, well, Jeffries is a better shooter, I think, yeah. and maybe maybe it's one of those things where it's like I'm still living off of him being a five star in high school. Mm-hmm. But 
he has some games where he shoots the ball well. It feels like he just never puts it together. But in this game, and you know, let's talk about DJ Jeffries coming back and didn't play much on Saturday, only three minutes. And watching him in warm-ups, I mean, I thought he was walking kind of gingerly, and I thought, okay, he may not be able to do much tonight. Instead, he was kind of the catalyst for Mississippi State in that second half when, when they went to that, that second uh, second unit with Cam and Hubbard and foul trouble and, and Tolu on the bench, and, and that was the unit that, kind of, that extended the lead. There was, there was a moment there where State has Hubbard, Matthews, and Tolu Smith all on the bench at around the 13-and-a-half-minute mark. And it's, I think at that point, Jans is just thinking, let me get Tolu an extra minute or two of rest before we go to this 12-minute timeout. And instead, in that time, State is able to grab control of the game with Deshaun Davis, Shaq Moore, uh, DJ Jeffries, Keyshawn Murphy, and Jimmy Bell out there. Mm-hmm. And that's when they, they really put, they were able to extend the lead. So I thought that was interesting that I don't think it was a planned thing by Jans. He just wanted to get his guys a little extra rest, but it turned into the moment where the game got away from Ole Miss. And that was what a fourteen-two run. Mm-hmm. I uh, in just a moment I'm going to give you credit, but first I'm going to take a swipe at you. Um, Let's go. It's a story as old as time itself, and you didn't recognize it. You didn't see it coming. You even posited yesterday that perhaps DJ Jeffries wouldn't even play. You know, after going three minutes on Saturday and. Not being able to go the rest of the way. Just don't know what kind of shape he's going to be. Not even sure that DJ Jeffries is going to play tonight. Oh, but the young man from the state of Mississippi who has spent his career as a Bulldog in a rivalry game against Ole Miss, not only does he find the superhuman strength to play in the game, but he excels in the game. He etches his name into the history and the lore of the rivalry should have seen it coming, hey, did You didn't even think he was going to play. We'll give him the Anthony Boone Award for a miraculous recovery. Perhaps. So that that's my swipe at you, my, uh, my tip of the mm-hmm. cap. As we were talking about mm-hmm. players who might have an impact that are not necessarily mainstream or are not the first guy that you would think of, you suggested yesterday that Keyshawn Murphy might be that guy. And he um, – He was. He was. I, 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 and Ole Miss didn't have that guy in this game. Mm-mm. They didn't have that guy. You know, Murray and, and, and Flanagan and obviously Morrell, who may have swayed my, my Howell Trophy vote the way he played last night. Uh, they were all good for Ole Miss, but the, the, the rest of the team didn't show up as much. And that's why Ole Miss, you know, we go back to the game in Oxford. TJ Caldwell's 18 points was the difference in that game. Ole Miss didn't have that guy this time. 11 bench points for Ole Miss. Mississippi State, what was it, 42? Uh, 49. 49. Some of that is skewed by the fact that Tolu didn't start, but still take him away and State still more than doubled up Ole Miss in bench points. They are really, uh, the the Rebels are lacking in scoring options that are not named Morrell, Murray, and Flanagan at the moment in the latter two aren't being particularly efficient right now. No. No. One thing you wanted to see, Borky, you got last night. There's uh, 19 shot attempts for Matthew Morrell. Yeah. Um, but you didn't have the same level of efficiency. No. It, the, the second half, and, and we'll talk about it uh, coming up after this, but uh, whether you credit Mississippi State for this or blame Ole Miss for this, but 
second half offense was awful for Ole Miss. One of nine from three, ten turnovers, only eight made shots. Two more turnovers than made shots in the second half for them. Yeah, not a uh, not a good second half for Ole Miss by any stretch of the imagination. We'll continue to talk about this ball game. Want to hear your thoughts on it as well when we come back. From the Venable Sports Talk, Mississippi. Let's go time. Sports Talk, Mississippi. Well, say something. Super Talk, Mississippi. Williams, down text line is open to you. Your thoughts on last night's ball game, 601-879-4395. C Spire, customer inspired. Ole Miss only hit one three in the second half, and it was in garbage time right at the end. State's defense in the second half was elite. You must have uh, either read my text after the game or my uh, tweet after the game last night or... You had the exact same impression that I had, because that's what I, I tweeted after it was over. Just like a few random thoughts about the game. Mississippi State's defense, especially in the second half, was elite. Cam Matthews is yeah. a beast. Uh, Ole Miss had no it's, it's, answer for him. Tolu Smith, Ole Miss had no answer for. It's it's funny when you, you, know, you think about Ole Miss had to lead in the half, and so you're like, all right, State made adjustments, and that's how they got the win. The adjustments were just to play better defense. That was, that was the whole adjustment. Yeah. There, there wasn't anything you know technical in the game plan there. They just ratcheted up the effort. We also have a message that says, please tell me everything is going to be fine with MSU baseball. Uh, we'll do that later in the show. Will we do that? Okay. Well, we may get you. <laughs> we'll, we'll answer his question later in the show. Yeah. We will, we will get to baseball, but we want to uh, spend most of this first hour on uh, basketball. It was a big game. Uh, Mm -hmm. That that was the other part of my tweet last night. Was was a big win for Mississippi State. It was a tough loss for Ole Miss, and it makes Saturday for the Rebels, in particular, massive. Massive. Yeah, the the margin for error is razor razor thin for them. So we we talked about it some yesterday when Haydad was uh, dealing with the, the chaos in the studio there, but the, the what was on the line versus what you lose with the loss. So what do you gain with the win? What do you lose with the loss? And Mississippi State didn't quote-unquote gain a lot from a win when we're talking about tournament perspective. They didn't move up a whole lot just winning a, a home game. But they are comfortably at the moment safely in the tournament, barring an epic collapse that's very unlikely to happen. They're going to make the NCAA tournament. Losing last night, though, would have... Not change things that much, but it still would have been, okay, now you look at the rest of the schedule, and if they're not beating Ole Miss at home, or they're beating Kentucky at home, and you you start having that conversation. They took care of business last night, so that makes it all uh, a moot point. They're going to make the NCAA tournament. For Ole Miss, they didn't move down much. They went from last four in to first four out. Luckily, as we always talk about, the bubble is really, really bad. Other teams on the bubble lose. Ole Miss lost, other teams are going to lose on the bubble. It's what the bubble teams do. You've got to get 68 in the field, and there's not 68 really good teams in college basketball. But the margin for error is razor thin, and they're not playing great basketball right now. 
And that's not taking away from from Mississippi State in the second half because they played good defense. They forced 10 turnovers. They were active. They were physical. All of those things are true. But that's another game where Ole Miss struggles to score the basketball. They can't score at the moment. And it looks like things bog down offensively at times. The ball sticks a little bit. And last night is just yet another example of the difference between teams with quality bigs and teams like Ole Miss. Mississippi State can rely on a guy like Tolu to get them buckets. Bell was good spelling uh, Tolu as well last night. He's 6'10", 280 pounds, and he's playing against 230-pound seven-footers. He shouldn't be able to jump the way he can jump at that size. He's like a Mack truck down there. Uh, Unbelievable. But but Mississippi State last night had a quality, skilled big man that can get you buckets. And so if you're, if, if Hubbard, for example, is not giving you anything from the outside, they still have that guy that you can send the ball to down low, make a post move, draw contact, make a bucket, and win games that way. Ole Miss does not have that guy. And there's nothing they can do about that, but they have no offensive presence on the block whatsoever. And so when yeah. they're missing shots, they're done. And you, you saw know, that last night. And we- we didn't mention that either, by the way, and all that about State and the way they played. Hubbard only had five points. Yeah. Yeah. Only made one three last night. So they got this win with the guy who I would tell you is their best scorer, giving them hardly anything. Yeah. I tell you what, though, every time the ball leaves his hand, I, I, I just assume it's going in. It looks so pure coming out of his hand. I mean, it just does. There, there are shooters like that. He's one of them, yeah. So... Interesting, Borky, that you talk about the Ole Miss Bigs and and their their lack of post presence, and I think that's I think that is very much a real thing. So, Musa Cisse, I don't think I, I think he is skilled in the post. The move that he made to get past the double team with Tolu and whoever it was that was collapsing down on him, where he kind of. Kind of gave him a ball fake, and they went by, and he goes up for a dunk, and he had another dunk where he just exploded up and flushed it down last night. I thought that was two pretty good skilled moves in the post. But the difference that you saw last night between Musa Cisse is they've got to get it to him early and moving with stuff happening around him. Whereas with both Tolu Smith... And with, um, I just drew a blank, the other big guy, Jimmy, Jimmy Bell. There were multiple times where Mississippi State got those guys in the, uh, the ball in the post and cleared out to the other side of the floor and said one-on-one, stop him. And you can't. Nope. That, that's the difference. Ole Miss can't feed the ball to Musa Cisse and let him go to work one-on-one with another big man and expect him to win more times than not, whereas Mississippi State has two guys and three, if you want to count Keyshawn Murphy, that can do that. Now, I don't think of Keyshawn Murphy as a true five in, in the way that Tony right. Smith and and uh, Jimmy Bell are, but he's big enough that if you need him to slide down to the five, he can. But he he's very much more of like a, a stretch four. Um, and, and this sort of plays into the discussion of, of Chris Beard's comments after the game where he discussed how Tolu Smith and, and Jimmy Bell weren't called for any fouls in, in this game. And it's it's as simple as Ole Miss didn't get the ball to their bigs down low. They took Cissé and, and Sharp took four shots total. 
You know, the guys who were guarding the guards who were taking all the shots, Cam Matthews had four fouls, Josh Hubbard had four fouls, but Tolu, they, they, they didn't have any defensive work to do because Ole Miss isn't running any offense through its bigs. And then think back to last game, too, because we'll talk about it. We got a text about it, I'm sure, officiating and free throw discrepancy. Ole Miss in the first half against Missouri did not take a single free throw. They didn't take one, one game ago. And I don't, correct me if I'm wrong, Richard, Doug Shows wasn't officiating that game. No, he was not. there's There's a style of play component that leads to a free throw discrepancy discrepancy when you look at the way Mississippi State played last night versus the way Ole Miss played last night. That contributes to a free throw discrepancy. Yeah, I mean, Mississippi State is constructed differently. They are a physical basketball team. And and one of the things that, uh, that John Sunvold talked about during the broadcast last night was that, hey, this is stylistically in the second half more of a Mississippi State game than an Ole Miss. The first half... And, and the first game, so the first three halves that were played in this series this year, stylistically were more along the lines of what Ole Miss wants to do and what Ole Miss needs to do to be able to win basketball games. Second half, though, Mississippi State, despite struggling at the free throw line, after Tolu Smith started 5-of-5, five five, he missed his next seven free throws. Now he finished the night 8-of-15. 8-of-15, yeah. And that was after starting 5-of-5, five five, so he was... He was 3 of 10 after a perfect 5 for 5 start from the free throw line. But Cam Matthews was pretty good at the line. Keyshawn Murphy was pretty decent at the line. Mississippi State, though, as a team, I mean, they shot their season average, right? 59% from the line? Actually, a little bit below. Let's, it. I'll just go ahead and let's, let's go. I'm going to give you a, a glimpse into the future. Whenever Mississippi State's season ends in the NCAA tournament, it will be a game they lose by 6 or 7 where they miss 10 to 12 free throws. I don't. I don't disagree with that. I think that is an altogether reasonable prediction. I mean, we're we're on the topic of officiating. Let's just. There's some that are going to disagree with this. I did not think that the officiating last night was egregious, but it certainly was not exceptional. And here's the thing that that I thought was the biggest problem with the way that game was. And you had two really veteran officials in Doug Shales and Pat Adams. I didn't think there was consistency in the way the game was called. They let a lot of contact go in the first half and in the early part of the second half, and then it got a little more ticky-tack. And then they kind of oscillated between those two extremes for the rest of the game. Chris Beard clearly wanted a technical when he got it. I'm still not sure exactly what Chris Jans did to get his technical called by the official who was under the basket, Pat Adams, feeding the ball to the guy shooting a free throw. And so he is, at best, 55 feet from where Chris Jans was? Maybe farther than that? I don't know. It was... um especially in the second half, the game had very, very little flow. And part of that was because of the officials. We'll be right back. It's time for more Sports Talk Mississippi. Finally. Finally. On Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. 
Shannon Wynono on the Ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395, Ceasefire, customer inspired. Was it me, or did Chris Beard remind anyone else of Tom Hanks from A League of Their Own with that under-the-breath comment to get the tech? You could tell he was doing it for team motivation, and even though it didn't work, it gave me a laugh. 100%. He was 100%. fed up, but he yeah, was looking for he, a spark also. Yes. Yeah, 100%. It, it didn't work. It's funny. After both texts, the opposite team went on a, a run. I mean, yes. neither I, one. I, I was up there looking around. I was like, State was up 11 when Jans got the tech. Now they're only up four. I was like, what is going on here? Yeah, yeah I'm with so you. When that they makes showed... me believe that Jans, Jans' tech was not something he wanted to have happen, I don't think. Yeah, when they yeah. showed I the replay. Got saying something. I, I, I tried to relips, but also there was a point in the game where Jans was – Yelling at the officials and, and using some words because that happens in sporting events. There's nothing wrong with it. It's it's what you do. It's what coaches do. But they showed the replay of when he got the tech, and I was trying to read his lips, and I thought, I didn't see any words that I know from that far away to warrant stopping play, essentially, to run over there to tee him up. I was really confused as to what led to that. Well, I think you asked the right question there. What led to that? Had had he been giving it to Pat Adams for an extended period of time and Pat had told him, that's enough, no more? And then he said something else and it was like, boom? I mean, altogether possible. Yeah. Well, I did think there. watching Chris Jans in the game last night, there were times where he was more deserving of a technical foul than the point at which he actually got yeah. the technical foul. Yeah. I also wondered... So Doug Shouse popped the tee on Chris Beard, and Beard did not immediately stop, and Doug kind of did that quick shoulder turn, look back at him, as like, you want some more? I, I got another one in my pocket if you want it. <laughs> Just Don't you love how that's the, the people that run the game um, act? No, look, I, I'm... Two things can be true at once, and for some reason people are just so incapable of uh, understanding nuance that they'll go to their message boards anonymously and talk about innocent young women in disgusting ways, you absolute loser. Um, It can be true that the way the game was officiated last night stunk, especially in the second half. And again, it's not coming from a this is why Ole Miss lost angle, because I remember there was a foul on Hubbard where when the whistle blew, Hubbard stopped and just looked at his coach and was like, Coach, what? And and James looked back and was like, I don't know. And I'm sitting in my living room and I tweeted, I was like, let them play. Good lord. Like that that at no point should have stopped play for a whistle. There were there were more uh foul calls than minutes played in the game. There were sixty free throws shot in the game. That's ugly. And that's that's a, a product of who was calling the game and not the way the game was played, in my opinion. Saying that does not mean, I think, that that is why Ole Miss lost. Here's why Ole Miss lost, because Mississippi State played better than them. Yeah, that's a good point, and I was just about to say, Ole Miss lost because they didn't make shots last night. You made that point yesterday. Ole Miss wants to win, they got to make shots. And they didn't. And they didn't make shots, but the reason, largely, they missed some open looks. But I thought Mississippi State, with the exception of about a 10-minute window in the first half, From about the 10-minute mark until halftime, I didn't think State was very good defensively. They 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 seemed to lose their edge a little bit. But for the first 10 minutes of the game and the last 20 minutes of the game, the biggest reason that Ole Miss didn't make shots is because Mississippi State made life a living 
hell on them trying to make shots. And what what I really noticed in the second half, State wasn't picking up full court, but they, they would meet whoever was bringing the ball up for Ole Miss just after midcourt. And so Ole Miss couldn't get into their offensive sets because they were getting met so far from the basket and they, they couldn't even dribble or pass out of it because State's defense was so suffocating so far from the basket. And that led to a lot of those 10 second-half turnovers for Ole Miss because State just wouldn't even let them get into an offensive set, let alone give an open look to make a shot. I mean, it really made... They made Ole Miss look like they were having a hard time just doing basic basketball things in the second half. All right, don't look at the box score. Who won the rebounding battle last night? I I know the answer. answer. It was was 34 apiece. Who won Which the is, offensive yeah. rebounding battle last night? If 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 somebody I know won, this it, answer I don't know off the top of my head, but if somebody won it, they won it by like one. It was it fifteen fifteen. Yeah, I, like I I just now looked specifically at that line on the box score. I had no idea that Ole Miss had fifteen and, offensive rebounds last night. They were really getting some offense, especially in the first half. They did a good job of getting second chance points. Uh, and what's funny is, you know, the, the game in Oxford State dominated the boards. I think they were plus fifteen on the Rebels. Yeah. In, in that game, so you know, Ole Miss, Ole, Ole Miss did a, a a lot of things that should have had them in position to win this game. But as Borky says, shot making was not where it needed to be for them, and so yeah. so they lost. Yeah. Yeah. Why um, is it difficult for people to believe that those two things can be true at the same time? I was flabbergasted by some of that It's last just night. easier to believe that the refs are against you. It's just easier. Yeah. Some people, I had people tweeting at me last night, like, this game is so poorly officiated. I'm like, is this your first time watching college basketball? Especially this first ever group. game? It's every game. It's part of the ambiance. It's, part, it's, it's like when you go to Popeye's and the surface isn't good. That's part of the experience. You know, the food's delicious, but got to wait. <laughs> Same thing. You go to the basketball game, it's fun. It's fun time. But the refs suck. Just the way it is. Also, I want to give a quick shout-out. You gave a shout-out to some idiots on the MSU message boards. Let me give one to the Ole Miss message boards. Go for it. Doug Shows. his dad didn't play basketball at Mississippi State. He was a Baptist preacher. Calm down. I've always... Hey, you, you guys were rough on Doug Shows this morning when we were talking. The thing is, I've thought that generally he's one of the better officials in college basketball. I didn't like how it was called last night. Just too touchy in the second half. He holds a soft spot in my heart. I saw him throw out Nolan Richardson at the hump one time, and I've liked him ever since. Never never been mad at him. Yeah. That's that's a great day when that happens. Yeah. Um, so 83-71 was the final. A uh, couple of shooting numbers. Ole Miss, 50% from the field in the first half of the game. They shot 29% in the second half. 50% from behind the three-point line in the first half. 11% in the second half. Really good night at the free throw line for the Rebels, 19-21. of 21. Mississippi State shot 50% in the first half. 50% in the second half. They didn't try to do too much with the three ball. 50% in the first half, three of six, three of eight in the second half. That's 43% for the game on only 14 three-point attempts. 
State was not good at the free throw line. And hey, Dad said a second ago, their season very well could end in the NCAA tournament in a game because they missed a dozen free throws. That's what they missed. No, they missed 16 of them last night. 23 of 39, 59%. If they shoot 70% in this game, they win by 20. Now, the flip side of that is State made two more free throws than Ole Miss attempted despite shooting 59% at the line. Yeah. Ole Miss had no answer in the post. And it, and it wasn't just with Tolu Smith or Jimmy Bell. It was other guys who made moves down low. And, you know, Ole Miss is supposed to be double teaming, but for some reason the double team goes away. Ole Miss doesn't make a switch down low. It just gets blown by. I mean, Shaq Moore had, what, three or four layups in this game? Deshaun yeah. Davis had a couple of layups. Both of his buckets were layups in this game. Matthews was able to get to the rim mm-hmm. a few times. Yeah. You know, that that state's offense, it's inside out. And Ole Miss's offense is outside in. Yeah. Uh, there's there's no question. Yeah, it is pretty remarkable that you score eighty three points when Josh Hubbard is virtually non effective. Yeah. That's the other side of that, yeah. Four fouls yeah, normal game, states is pushing a hundred. Only played twenty three minutes. He was in foul trouble mm-hmm. in, in both halves. Two of nine from the field, one of six from behind the arc. I mean, it's a very not Josh Hubbard game, uh, and yet the Bulldogs were still able to win it, which I think gives you reason to be pleased, to be happy, to be excited if you're a Mississippi State fan. You can have a night where Josh Hubbard is frankly poor, and he has not had many of those nights, and you still find a way to win by double digits in a rivalry game, no less. So there's, uh, there's a lot of good there. I had one thought. If Mississippi State could somehow, and and by the way, I go back to what football coaches say where you can't get your teams up, like up, up for every single game. But if Mississippi State somehow had the ability to replicate the energy with which they played in that game last night, that is not a team you want to face. But it's hard to do that every single game. Hard to. All right, let's um, let's flip the page when we come back and look ahead. What's coming up for Mississippi State? What's coming up for Ole Miss? And how does the season finish over the final five regular season games? We'll do that coming up next in the Pearl River Resort Studio. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. This is a place for crazy people. If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, one other point I wanted to make about Mississippi State's defense. But their guards defending the ball had really, really active hands. Ole Miss turned it over 10 times. I'm sorry, State had 10 steals leading to 17 Ole Miss turnovers. And I'm guessing here, I would say four of those 10 steals, maybe five of those 10 steals were just guarding the ball one-on-one and reaching in and either taking it away or swatting it away. 
I thought that was that was big. I mean, there were I mean, ball thirty feet from the basket, and you just pick a point guard's hands clean or an off guard. Um, thought that was big last night, and just part of that overall suffocating defensive effort that uh, Mississippi State gave last night. So, what's next for the Bulldogs? They go to LSU this weekend. A resurgent LSU team, an LSU team that's a getting suddenly feisty LSU team. Back-to-back top 25 wins for LSU, winning on the road at South Carolina last Saturday, coming from behind, and uh, winning at home last night against Kentucky. Trailed by 15 in the second half. LSU team can make shots. So, big test on Saturday on the road. Back home for Kentucky. Got to go to Auburn on a Saturday afternoon. That'll be a, the jungle will be hopping. Got to go to College Station for a midweek game on March 6th. And we'll be playing likely a desperate Texas A&M team. Texas A&M team is going the wrong way. They've got six quad one wins, but their record, I heard Joe Lunardi say this last night, their record does not match their metrics. And then State closes out the regular season at home against South Carolina. Mm-hmm. So SEC opener and the final game of the regular season. Yeah. They lost the opener, so, was it about two? No, it was about, I think like six. But more than that? It was close, it was close late. Yeah. It was close, yeah. So that goes if you're if you score at home, yeah. Quad quad two, quad one, quad one, quad one, quad two. Kentucky is interesting though. They play Alabama this weekend. They're at twenty four in the net. They could potentially because they also have, so they have, so they also finished the season with Tennessee. But by the time that's that's all said and done, that could end up being a quad two game. It just kind of feels like by virtue of that closing schedule that they're going to, you know, they're not going to lose all of them. feels like they'll stay in that Well, no, because between Alabama and Tennessee, they have, uh, Vander, or they have Vanderbilt and Arkansas. So, mm. yeah, they'll, okay. they'll get a couple wins. For Ole Miss, a massive game on Saturday at home against South Carolina. Got to win follow, it. That simple. Follow that up with a home game against Alabama. By the way, the Alabama-Florida game last night was spectacular. Really good game. Yeah, There was good basketball last night. Yeah. Road trips, back-to-back games at Missouri, at Georgia. And then they close it out at home against uh, Texas A&M on the final Saturday of the regular season. Whatever the Alabama-Ole Miss over is, take it. Yeah. I mean, it still feels like that magic number is 10. Uh, I mean, it, the bubble is so bad, though. I, I don't think people talk enough about the bubble being bad. Like, Ole Miss doesn't good, look look good like a tournament team right now. But they, honestly, the last four games, they kind of haven't. Mm-hmm. But look at who else is on the bubble. Look at Texas A&M, for example. What have they looked like lately? So the uh, metrics, though, hate the they, they hate Ole Miss. The, the metrics do. They, they just do for, for a lot of reasons. Very little margin for error. The way they're playing right now doesn't inspire a whole lot of confidence to think that they can get four wins. The path is still in front of them, but I mean, they they just simply they got to play better. And 
They can. We've seen it. They beat Mississippi State. They won in College Station. Like, like mm-hmm. they, they can play better, but until they do, winning four of the next five doesn't seem likely. And, and the path to doing that hasn't changed. Right, I mean, it, it's you got to beat South Carolina at home, you got to beat Missouri and Georgia on the road, and you got to beat Texas A and M at home. You do that, and you're in the tournament. If you only go three and two in those five games, and you finish nine and nine, there is work to be done in Nashville to get an NCAA tournament bid. Anything worse than that? Two and three or worse in the final five games? Not playing in the NCAA tournament without winning the SEC tournament. It'll be NIT. Yeah. So um, that's what's left for Mississippi State. That's what's left for Ole Miss. State's at seven and six in the league. Their net is still in pretty good shape. Is there a magic number, hey, Dad? Is it two more? Nine SEC wins yeah. and the dogs are in? Oh, and yeah. I think at eight, they're probably very much on the bubble, and at nine, they're they're a lock. They're in. The only problem with eight is that means they go one and four in the final five games of the regular season. Agreed. And that's not a good look, but they're, they're still their net would be good. Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi, one hour in the books with you. We will flip from basketball to baseball. Coming up next in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Sports Talk Mississippi. Your all-access pass to all things sports in Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. Gonna have to make a correction. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Thanks for being with us on this Thursday afternoon, the 22nd of February. Another nice day, not quite as warm as it has been. Make it a little bit of rain tonight, but uh, still not bad for late February. Pearl River Resort, home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Visit them online at dancingrabbitgolf.com to book your tee time to 18-hole championship courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas, Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, part of Pearl River Resort. The Ceasefire text line is open, 601-879-4395. Just to make it topical, if um, Ceasefire is your wireless carrier, you had no issues this morning. There was uh, there was not a national outage to deal with. Ceasefire customer inspired. Reading directly from the obituary of Robert oh. Bobby Carroll Shalls Jr. Bobby was an ordained minister, director of activities in Southern Baptist churches in Mississippi, Louisiana, and Missouri, and on staff at the Missouri Baptist Convention. He was the founder and director of Sports Crusaders Ministry, a basketball referee, and a basketball Just coach. Just get to it. For he received sakes. a master's degree and a bachelor's degree from Mississippi State University. He played on three SEC championship teams and went to the game of change at the NCAA tournament in 1963. I looked uh, all over the Internet trying to find this information and could not find it. 
Bobby is also survived by two children, Doug Shals and wife Corinne. I made a mistake. My bad. In that case, I'm going to do something that you might not believe. The Ole Miss fans have a point. He shouldn't be officiating Mississippi State games. I disagree. I disagree with that. This goes back a few years ago when you had the guy who played football at Alabama officiating an Alabama-Mississippi State game and was involved in a controversial call. It's just so easy to avoid the hint of impropriety. Why not just do it? Yeah, but to me, then, you're questioning professionalism, and I know it's not exactly the same because I have no ability to impact the outcome of a game. But it's in the same ball. It's cousins to the idea of, well, Richard shouldn't be able to broadcast an Ole Miss game because he went to school there and he grew up in Oxford. Or Richard shouldn't be able to... What you just said, though, you can't out affect the outcome of a game. A referee can. Yeah. It's like a judge I, recusing themselves just, from a case. That, that, that doesn't mean right. they couldn't do it correctly. It's just better if they didn't try. Yeah. I don't know, man. I I feel... I will that being said, that's not why Ole Miss that... last last night. It's not. It just, no. it, it's simply uh, well, not. Never mind that. I, I've seen Doug Shalls come to the hump and... Just blast state with bad calls. So I'm not too terribly worried about his professionalism, but this is just another thing the SEC does where it could just be like, why not just make it easy on yourselves? And they do, or they at least did have a policy in football where officials were not allowed to officiate games at a school at which they played a sport. So... If I remember correctly, I'm having to go way back here because it's been a long time since he called SEC games, but if I remember correctly, Steve Freeman was not allowed to call Mississippi State games because he played football at Mississippi State. I think Brad Freeman, when he was in the SEC, I think he was, no, he was on the football team at Mississippi State, so that would have caused him not to be able to call state games either. But if Brad had just gone to Mississippi State but not played football there, he could have called Mississippi State games even though his dad had played the game there. I think think that's right. But nevertheless. Interesting. Anything yeah. to avoid talking about baseball, by the way. This is good. What else can we uh, what else can we bring up here? To um, to not talk about Ole Miss and Mississippi State baseball right now. Liter- did it, what'd you guys eat today? What what was for lunch? <laughs> all right, I'm uh, I'm flipping a coin. All right, uh, heads is Ole Miss, tails is Mississippi State. That will determine who we discuss first. Here we go. Oh, okay. I just flipped it over the desk <laughs> this to the guy. Hey, that's a sign right there I'm is just, what that is. I'm just amazed that you have pocket change. I thought all you carried was folding money. It was a nickel and a penny. Here, I've still got the penny. All right. Called it. Flip it. Heads. Who did I say heads it was? Ole Miss. Ole Miss. Thank you. Okay. Y'all have that. Have at it. All right. We've only got five minutes in this segment left. We'll did, take the full segment for Mississippi State in the uh, the next did you know that Arkansas State was picked to finish dead last in the Sun Belt? 
Yeah, but they're off to a good start. They've not lost yet this year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's true. No, I I know, but that doesn't change that that fact. Um, like like we said yesterday, I think it bears repeating though, because this is just kind of the state that they're in. Teams can improve from week one to week 17. Happens in the NFL all the time. Happens in college football. Teams can get better during the course of a season. It has happened before. It will possibly happen again. At the present, Ole Miss is a bad baseball team. And at the present, it might be a bad program. Because it's an almost entirely new roster. That's doing the same thing that won six conference games last year. Ole Miss pitched well enough to win yesterday. Right? They uh, they rolled four pitchers out there. Mason Morris, the starter, went four innings, gave up two earned runs. And if Ole Miss is able to turn a double play in the first inning, it's one earned run. Uh, Wes Mendez was not as good in his second outing as he was in his first outing. Two innings, three hits, two runs. And then Braden Jones threw three scoreless and Mason Nichols. He gave up one hit in the ninth inning. He had a walk, so there were a couple of base runners. got a strikeout and um, did not give up any runs. You give up four runs in a midweek game against anybody, you should win. If you give up four runs, you should win the baseball game. Ole Miss gave up four runs. They did not win the baseball game. Here's part of the reason why. Luke Hill in the leadoff spot was one for two, had a couple of walks. Not a terrible day for him. Ethan Leger, who is the best hitter on the team right now at a 400 batting average, was 0 for 4. So his average came way down yesterday. Jackson Ross in the three hole was one for two. Judd Utermark was one for three with a solo home run. Ethan Groff was one for four. After that, 0 for 3 for Andrew Fisher, 0 for 3 for Reagan Burford. Will Furness as a pinch hitter was 0 for 1. Uh, Trayson Hughes had one hit, and Birch, who started the game at catcher, was 0 for 2, and Smithwick, who came in to replace him, was also 0 for 2. Five hits for Ole Miss in the game yesterday. And that's coming off of a horrible offensive performance uh, at Hawaii, uh, and and so, you know, jet lag being used as an excuse. So, are you still jet lagged when you're playing Arkansas State in your home ballpark? When when does jet lag wear off? When High Point comes to town here in a couple of days. Uh, it's uh, and what's what's possibly a positive spin or a gigantic red flag is that lineup has transfers in it. Guys that played at the Power Five or even the the Group of Five level, using football terms, a year ago and performed really, really well. Looked really good. Played really well. Commanded, in baseball terms, high dollar. At least a couple of them. So you know that they're capable of hitting at this level. They're, They're certainly capable of hitting Hawaii and Arkansas State. So that could be looked at positively. Well, these guys are good enough to figure it out. Or why is it when they come to Ole Miss, they stop figuring it out and look like they have so far this season? Yeah, I, I don't know the answer to that. But kind of looking up and down the, the lineup for guys that are playing right now, Ethan Leger, probably not going to hit 400 for the year. But after that, 
Ethan Groff, probably going to be better than 250 when it's all said and done. Jackson Roth's not going to hit 200 this year. I don't think Judd Utermark's going to hit 167. I don't think Trayson Hughes is going to hit 143 or 125 for Luke Hill or 111 for Reagan Burford. And I'm not trying to make the case for Reagan Burford as like being some All-American candidate. I don't think he's going to hit 111. Campbell Smithwick is not going to hit 083. He is a more talented hitter than that. And for goodness sakes, Andrew Fisher, the transfer from Duke, who was a freshman All-American a year ago, is not going to hit 063. They're going to get better offensively. But the question is, how quickly is that going to happen? And how much better? Well, I I mean, as a team, they're hitting 181. They're going to get a lot better overall. But when? And how many losses between now and when they get to a point where they are swinging the bat well? From the event of opening in Mississippi sports, you'll hear about it first right here. Sports Talk Mississippi. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Ceasefire text line is open to you at 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Uh, some of your messages coming in as a team hitting 181. Why has there not been one bunt attempt with runners on approach the plate as home run only? You know, I think the, the bunt conversation is one in which there's no winning. If you bunt and you give up outs, people are like, why are you taking the bat out of their hands? And if you don't bunt, but you're swinging and missing or you're not putting the ball enough in play, like, why don't you just lay down a bunt? Ole Miss changed its offensive approach about three or four seasons ago. There were few questions that were asked as much as why Mike Bianco was bunting so much for the first, I don't know, 15 to 18 years that he was at Ole Miss. Ole Miss, their offensive philosophy no longer includes the bunt. It just doesn't. Well, if you're having to manufacture runs to beat Arkansas State, then... Yeah, I understand, though. I mean, to to the question specifically, that's kind of an offshoot. I mean, you're not wrong. Um, I think if you look at Ole Miss's stat sheet from a season ago, they had like four sacrifice bunts the whole year. So if you're in a tie game in the bottom of the ninth inning with a runner on second and nobody out, you're going to lay down a bunt to try and get that runner to third and have two cracks at getting him in. But that happens with all teams that don't bunt. But that's just not, I mean, Ole Miss has gone to an, a more analytics-driven approach to plate and in terms of decision-making. And it took Mike Bianco a long time to get to that point. So it's it's just not part of the philosophy that they employ in terms of offensive strategy. 
Uh, another text, if you're baseball players and you don't have confidence in themselves, they're not going to win. Yeah, confidence appears to be lacking. It looks like that right now. David Ripley says, while you guys are talking about baseball, it occurred to me that this would be a good time to take some alone time in the library, he says. I mm. edited that a bit, but you, you get the Yes, you did. It's I just did. a descriptor of what happened on the field yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Ole Miss has high point coming in for a three-game series this weekend. Let's just be real. They need to sweep that. They need to win all three of those games against a high point team that's off to a one and three start. And the two midweeks following them. They need well. to beat Little Rock and they need to beat Missouri State. And they need to do it in a way that builds some of the confidence that we're talking about. They win those next five games if then they go from two and three to seven and three. And they feel a little bit better about themselves with a really big non conference series when Iowa comes to town with a bona fide ace on that staff. So, not a great baseball afternoon and evening in Oxford outside the fact that the weather was spectacular and the crowd was pretty decent. I don't even know what they announced for the crowd yesterday. I'm sure it was in the 9,000 range. Uh, I can tell you right here. Maybe bigger than that. Um... 10,189. There obviously there weren't that many people there. Season tickets sold plus walk-up tickets. They sold a bunch of season tickets again and there were a large number of students as you would expect on a 72 degree day in uh, late February with a chance to get outside and watch baseball. So, Ole Miss got problems. So does Mississippi State. I told you guys earlier, I saw a tweet earlier today from a Mississippi State baseball fan that was directed at an Ole Miss baseball fan, and he was like, so, pal, are we just going to take fun, uh, take uh, turns making fun of each other this year? Mississippi State to offer you that, yes. lost a pair of midweek games to Austin P. The second of which included... Six runs for Mississippi State that came via bases-loaded walks and an 8-4 lead in the sixth inning, only to ultimately lose that game 13-10. to 10? Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, sorry. I was in the process of pulling up the box score and was doing that from memory. I know Borky, it's right here in the notes. I just had not clicked on it. Yeah, it's all right. Um... So they lose a very different type of game yesterday. On Tuesday, Mississippi State pitched it quite well with 13 strikeouts and no walks, and yet they couldn't score. Yesterday, they give up 13 runs to Austin P, who used six pitchers in the game. Mississippi State also used six pitchers in the game. They walked five. Oh, I just... The big inning for Austin P was what? The 8th and the ninth, 3 in the 8th, 4 eight in the ninth. ninth to come from State, down State's to the final two innings. They give up three, seven runs in the 8th in the and ninth innings yesterday. State gives up seven runs on seven hits. Uh, they walked the batter, and that's how they lost. And you mentioned you know, the walks. 
you talk about Ole Miss only having five hits. State only had six. They have ten runs because they got six runs walked in. Austin Peay should have won this game easily. If they had a pitcher with some control, they would have won easily. Mm-hmm. So, what do you have to say, Dad? Well, some of us kind of knew this team was going to struggle and tried telling some people. Nobody wants. Yeah, but to you didn't have them losing it twice to Austin P in the midweek. I knew they would struggle, though. I knew they're not a good team. They've lost these games the past two years. They didn't change anything. Nothing about this team changed from this year to last. From last year to this year, who do they add? Who's a difference maker that they added? They didn't add anyone. And you know, you're putting a guy out there, Tyson Harden, on the mound to start the game. A guy who last year had a 14 ERA and teams hit 412 off of him. That's a guy who should be processed. I know, offense if his parents are listening. I apologize. But what about his performance to this date has shown you that he can pitch in the SEC or even in, at, at Mississippi State in group of five games? Uh, you bring in Carson Ligon from, from Miami, and, and you know you think he's going to be a, a big part of your rotation. Third of an inning, three hits, three runs. He gave up two home runs that got, that got them back in the game. That's um, the guy that people thought was going to be a weekend starter, right? Yeah, yeah, for the guy from Miami. And it, it just has I mean, he's, I think he's battled a little bit of arm issues early in the uh, preseason, but now he's, he's pitching and he's not pitching well. And then we have the issues with the lineup that I talked about yesterday. I mean, State has five automatic outs in a row in their lineup. Larry, Jordan, Hines, and Chance are all hitting above 300 or above. The next five guys who started, Highfield's hitting 100, Cole, or Kohler pinch hit, Ky, Hijack, who's in center, where Jake Mangum and Rowdy Jordan and Colton Ledbetter have been, is hitting 133. Nate Chester at third hitting 167. You hope that Logan Kohler can come back in and and take over that job. Johnny Long behind the plate hitting 125. And Dylan Cup, who's a true freshman, at least there's an explanation for that, is hitting 118. And by the way, yesterday those five in the the order combined to go one for 15. Those five spots in the batting order. Right. So once you get past, you know the, the 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 first four guys. I mean, it's just cruise control for everybody, and nothing changed this off season. That's why I didn't understand anybody who was optimistic about this team. If they had been able to bring in Luke Holman and, and Braden Montgomery, then yeah, maybe I'm looking at them a little bit differently. But they didn't. They didn't bring any of those guys in. This team's problems start at the top, and. I mean, I'm at the point now where I will I will be amazed if there's a turnaround and Chris Lamonis is able to save his job. I'm I'm more likely to believe that he's let go midseason the way they're playing right now because how, how much of this can you take? You know what happens if you lo- if you lose a game this weekend at Georgia Southern? You're already sitting on four non-conference losses when you've played four teams. None of them will be above a hundred in the RPI when this season is over. Not one of them. So if you got four losses to those teams, what are you going to do when you're playing LSU and Vanderbilt and Florida and Arkansas and Texas A&M and Ole Miss? You might only win five or six conference games. This program, from where it was when they won the national title to today, it's not the same program anymore. Whether it's with Chris Lamonis or somebody else, how quickly can can State get it back? Well, that's the thing about the transfer portal, right? I mean, you would think that with everything Mississippi State has to offer 
as a program, they could get high-level transfers in if they had the right coach in place. So maybe next year it would just be good to be back in the postseason. But, you know, in two years you should be back to where Mississippi State wants to be. By the way, Georgia Southern 1-3 coming in this weekend. They lost 2-3 of three in the opening weekend to Maryland and then lost on Tuesday night to Georgia Tech. We're back after this. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Sports Talk Mississippi on the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Glad to be with you this afternoon. Of course, supertalk Mississippi radio stations, all 12 of them across the state of Mississippi. The ceasefire text line is open to you at 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Borky, you asked me about this the other day, and I intended to mention it, um, and we've had some people that have texted about it as well. People curious about Genteel, right? We shared the news a while back that um, their warehouse and offices um, suffered significant damage to the point of the building, I think, being condemned, um, roped off, a bad situation, back with the snow and ice that came in early January, mid-January to Oxford. Um, they were able to find a new location, warehouse space, relatively close by, and they are working like heck to get their spring going. I mean, this is the time of year in the clothing business where all of your spring orders are being shipped out to the retailers that you've got. So they've got a place where they can receive their product. They're getting it shipped out. They have a limited online selection available right now, and hopefully in the next week to week, maybe two weeks, we're going to be able to tell you more about uh, Genteel and kind of welcome them back to uh, to Sports Talk Mississippi. Uh, just kind of, they took a little bit of a break, and at, at our suggestion, frankly, um, while they're just trying to kind of get their heads around the entire situation because it was like they lost everything, everything that they had in, in inventory, gone, uh, and so kind of having to start over, but um, working hard. Progress is being made, and appreciate all those of you who have uh, have asked. But yeah, their their website is up and active, and it's got some of their new spring arrivals on the uh, website. In fact, they're adding more items just about every day. But it's if if you had previously looked at their website compared to where it was, where there were hundreds of things that you could buy online, um, not there yet. But getting there as quickly as they possibly can. So thanks for those that have asked. Something I've been thinking about today mm-hmm. on this baseball conversation because we, we've got a pair of extremely large baseball fan bases in this state that are also extremely angry 
Southern Miss also has a gigantic baseball following. They're just not currently angry. So two huge fan bases currently Give angry. Time. And also, two basketball programs, even though Ole Miss has skid the last couple of weeks, that are headed in a great direction. Meaningful basketball. Big crowds. Packed arenas. There's a chance that both make the tournament. State's going to make the tournament. And different strokes for different folks. I like the NBA. Other people don't. Whatever. But there is very few things more intoxicating than filling out a bracket with your team's name on it in the NCAA tournament when that comes out. Mm-hmm. That, that, that is special. And, buddy, if your team wins a game, if, if you take off work on a Thursday afternoon and you hear that, and your team is in that moment and they're winning, does that, make people here want to invest in basketball more than they currently do. Because there's a finite amount of money, and we're talking, there's NIL and baseball now. Baseball players are getting paid now too. And there's a finite amount of money. I have talked to some Ole Miss fans today about the state of the baseball program, and we were talking about specific players and dollar amounts and stuff like that. And it was brought up, that should go to a point guard. And is that something that might happen here? A dynamic shift in the, okay, wait a minute. We just made the NCAA tournament. And now you're telling me that we have to give 150 k to go get a first baseman? No. Go get Tolu's replacement. I want to go back to the tournament. Do you think basketball success could possibly, in this era now could want people to steer away from paying for the baseball player when they can go get a basketball player instead and feed off of the program momentum that they've currently got. You 100% are posting on MSU message boards. You have a burner account. I'm not. I know it because this is is a debate that's happening every day. I read them. I see them. But I am not posting Put money, get money out of baseball and into basketball. At Mississippi State and Ole Miss, you'll never get all of the money out of You'll never do it. Baseball is just too big. People enjoy baseball. And at the end of the day, everybody, you want your programs to be successful. State and Ole Miss fans, they want baseball. You know, you should want all three of your big, well, I say all three. You should want all of your programs to be as successful as possible. <laughs> and, and granted, you know, sometimes you you feel like maybe one is handicapping the other. I don't really see it that way. You know, Mississippi State, I think, has NIL money for football, for basketball, for baseball. They're okay. You know, they're going to need a big chunk of it for Josh Hubbard. There's, there's no getting around that fact. I, I believe that's going to be a, a not going to be a problem for Mississippi State. But if State wants to, you know, get a new coach in here and play in the portal next year for baseball, they can do that, and at the same time, go out and refill what they've got to do and try to replace Tolu Smith and the other players that are they're going to lose in basketball. So. It feels like, from a perception standpoint, like you know, you're sort of robbing Peter to pay Paul, I guess. But I, I think, by and large, the programs, all of the state, all of states, and all of Ole Miss's programs can be healthy at the same time with the right people in place. You look at Ole Miss right now; football is obviously as healthy as it's ever been. Chris Beard has done a fantastic job in year one. Whether they make the tournament or not, they've they've turned that program in the right direction. And Bianco won a national title two years ago, and and has been the best coach on that campus. You know, for for what two decades or whatever it is, that 
all everybody's programs can be doing well at the same time. It's it's not a it's not a question of well if this is good can this also be they can be. Well, and the, the the question becomes how do you spend your money, right? That's kind of what I was trying to get at is because there's a finite amount. There is one set amount of money that you've got to spend. Yes, but people also have the opportunity and the ability to direct where their dollars go. So if the big pot of money is to be used at the discretion of the director of the collective in conjunction with the coaches, then you also have allocated money. And so maybe the answer to this is no. You don't stop the funding for baseball because there's some people who think that maybe it doesn't matter in football because there's so many people that are supporting it and they don't care about basketball, but they love baseball. And it's absolutely their right to go, I'm going to give $100,000 a year to the collective, but I want that $100,000 to go specifically toward baseball. And I think there's some of that that happens, whether the number is $100,000 or $100. And and that's an option that exists when you give. In the same way that there's some people who love women's basketball. And so they earmark the donations that they make for women's basketball. I do think, and this is slightly educated but only slightly, There are two things that are happening within the leadership of the collective. Number one, they know that there is a responsibility to make money available for all of the sports. Number two, and really I should put it in reverse order, number one, football is the priority. And number two, there is a responsibility to make sure that all of the sports are taken care of. But, Borky, your question a second ago is, or, or, or the point you made, you know, I want that $150,000 to go get Tolu Smith's replacement or to go get a point guard instead of buying a first baseman. There's some that would go, no, no. Not only do I not want it to go buy a point guard or Tolu Smith's replacement, I want it to go buy a cornerback. And that's where all of the money should be directed. There are those people. And, and so that's kind of the balancing act, right? How do you how do you make sure that your football program first and foremost gets the money that it needs because football drives everything? How do you make sure that your basketball program has the money that it needs to go get players so that it can be an NCAA tournament team? And then how do you figure out like LSU really LSU fans hated a couple of years ago and the year before that, watching Mississippi State and Ole Miss win consecutive national championships. Drove them up the wall. NIL rolls in, they said, we're getting back in this game. And I think saying that LSU bought a national championship last year is overplaying it because it wasn't all transfers. But that was an expensive roster last year. Mm -hmm. Whether they were transfers or homegrown guys, Dylan Cruz would be an example. Dylan Cruz earned every penny that he got from LSU's collective. 
and he delivered. But they went out and secured the pieces that were talented enough to give LSU a chance, and then they went and won it on the field. Best sports talk in the state. It's the best thing. Say that again. We the best on three. One, two, three. We the best. Sports talk Mississippi. Super talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us, Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Wrapping up the 4 o'clock hour, we'll start things off in the 5 o'clock hour with the college football fix. And there's plenty to get to in the college football world, even though it's a little bit of a quiet time, right? We haven't really gotten to the start of spring practices yet. That is going to kick up and kick off and get rolling, what, about a week and a half? Right around March 1st is when most programs will start their spring practice some wait until after spring break. Some will do a week and then be out for spring break and then come back on the other side of that. Try to get you all the dates for those with uh, the, the relevant teams coming up uh, coming up soon. Um, but we're in a little bit of a quiet time for college football, but there was some pretty significant news off the field at Alabama yesterday. Yeah, I forgot to put that in, and I'm mad at myself for doing I, I, that, because I, 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 want, I wanted team. your take hey, on that. Hey, we're a team. We're a team. It's all good. Yeah. Late yesterday afternoon slash early yesterday evening, news leaked that Alabama and Eli Gold were parting ways. Eli Gold is the longtime play-by-play announcer uh, of the Alabama Crimson Tide. He's originally from Brooklyn, New York. He's been in the South for a long time, lives in Birmingham, I think 30 years, uh, 35 years, sorry, 35 years uh, that he has been the voice of Alabama football. And the initial news was that he was not coming back, and I think it was – Maybe like Alabama's on three site or one of their websites reached out and he said he had no comment. But when AL.com reached out to him later in the evening, he said, this is not capital N-O-T related to health. Alabama chose not to renew my contract, which is within their rights. So Alabama in conjunction with their rights holder, Learfield, decided to move on from Eli Gold. Now, he missed two years ago in his battle with cancer and some other illness that he had going on, and Chris Stewart was the radio play-by-play announcer. This past season, Eli Gold did home games, and he did the Iron Bowl. Chris Stewart did road games, and he did the postseason. And it has been announced that Chris Stewart will replace 70-year-old Eli Gold as the voice of the Crimson Tide. First reaction to this. I am so incredibly happy for my friend Chris Stewart, who is one of the all-time good guys in the radio business. This is professionally 
what he has always wanted or all he has ever wanted. He's done TV. He's hosted coaches' shows. He's done baseball forever. He's been on basketball for a really long time. But let's be real. Alabama football is, that's the crown jewel. And so I am thrilled for Chris to get this opportunity. I hate that it appears as if there's a little bit of acrimony in the way that it went down, which is no doing of Chris Stewart's, right? Somebody in Alabama said, Chris, we want you to be the voice of the Crimson Tide. Of course he says yes. I do know that Chris Stewart and Eli Gold have had a very good relationship for a long time. I don't know the status of that relationship now. None of my business. But the other side of this story is you don't really hear this. Legendary broadcasters who want to continue broadcasting games, and make no mistake, you can like Eli Gold or not like Eli Gold, but he is a legendary college football broadcaster. Maybe the most well-known radio broadcaster in college football? Because he's been doing it for so long and because Alabama has been so successful. Um, So that's unique. That doesn't happen very often. And Eli Gold says he's not retiring. So, I mean, I don't know if that means he's going to pop up and be a broadcaster for somebody else or he's just going to continue to do some NASCAR stuff or I I don't know. Auburn has a chance to do the funniest thing ever. (laughs) No. No, no. Can you imagine? No. Andy Burcham is another one of he's the really good, good but... guys. Well, he's a good broadcaster, but he's a great person also. Yeah. Um, what he and his uh, wife did in the aftermath of uh, Rob Bramlett's death is uh, just its incredible how they took those children and have kind of shepherded them into the adult stages of their life. It makes me sad just talking about it, but... Um, that's why we can pick this up on the other side of the break. I want to hear what you guys think about it as well. Um, it shocked me. And Jack Collinsworth is out of Notre Dame. Are you going to apply as the TV broadcaster? Yeah. If they want me, I'll take it. Yeah, I, mean, I figured that. I mean, I just uh, let's just be real. <laughs> Notre Dame wants me to do their games on TV. I'm in. We'll be right. Back. I'll teach you how to make the sign of the cross. Sports Talk Mississippi with Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, and Michael Borky is back. I'm all ears. Super Talk. Super Talk Mississippi. Oh, you going to take me home tonight. Oh, down beside that red firelight. Oh, you going to let it all hang out. Fat bottom girls, you make the rocking world go round. Five o'clock hour with you. This is Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV, and powering right through your car stereos or maybe your back porch radio, wherever your, your speakers, not your car stereos, your car stereo speakers. That was one word short there. You know what I mean. Thanks for listening, wherever you are, however you are. It's glad to have you along for the ride. 
Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky, Pearl River Resort Studio, Pearl River Resort, home of entertainment, whether it's eating at great restaurants, world-class gaming, the sports book, inside timeout lounge at the Golden Moon Casino, hanging out at Dancing Rabbit, going to Geyser Falls, checking out live entertainment. They've got it all. They have got it all. Escape to Pearl River Resort. Learn more at pearlriverresort.com. C Spire text line is open to you right now. 601-879-4395. C Spire takes care of you. They've got the best in wireless in the state of Mississippi and the southeast. They've got the best in home fiber, gigabit fiber internet to your house, and managed business IT services as well. If you are not a C Spire customer, Time to give them a chance. Learn more at cspire.com. Cspire, customer inspired. Let's just jump right into the college football fix. College football fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. And don't forget, it's got a little bit of time left in Ford Truck Month. Great selection, great savings at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. So, let's continue with the Eli Gold conversation for uh, for a little while. 35 years as the radio play-by-play voice of the Crimson Tide. And this morning, Eli's not going quietly into the night. He joined WBRC's Good Day Alabama and was asked by the host about his level of disappointment. Here is Eli Gold in his own words. About that. Yeah, nothing new, really. It was just, you know, the university, as they told me, they have chosen to go in a different direction. You know, that's one of those catch-all phrases that uh, you often hear. Uh, they chose to go in a different direction. The uh, My contract expires the end of June, and they will pay me through the end of my contract. And uh, then I have not been retained. So after 36 years, uh, all great things must come to an end. Eli, um, did you have any indication or were you completely caught off guard? I was, the first time it was approached to me, I was caught off guard. So I, I've had an idea that something was going. And, you know, even last year when I came back from cancer, uh, I was healthy. I was cleared by the doctors. Uh, and the university had me doing just the home games. Then they added the road game at Auburn, the Iron Bowl. Uh, but I, I could tell something was up. Uh, and, uh, you know, then we just had meetings within the last two weeks, uh, an in-person meeting and a Zoom meeting. And uh, they told me that I was, uh, you know, my, my, my time was done at the end of this contract. So, Eli, just to be clear now, so last year the decision for you to only do home games and then also the, the Iron Bowl was not your decision, and this year your health is not a concern. That's correct. I had my, I had, I did not at all make that decision last year. I tried to get them to let me do the road games. That they felt they they could not for a myriad of reasons, and uh, and and this was all, uh, and and this year again, this has been. Strictly the university's call. They have they and and Learfield Communications, the rights holder, 
and they just felt it was time to go in a different direction. So that's Eli Gold this morning on Good Day Alabama. Um, it's Channel 6, I assume, in Birmingham. That is... Um, it's messy. That just got a little complicated. It got a little... That's a good word, Borky. It's a little messy. He is a legend. Yeah. He is called... Seven, six Alabama national championship games under Nick Saban and the, uh, the one under, or six national championship wins under Nick Saban and one under Gene Stallings. He has been the voice of a generation plus for Alabama fans. Um, you know what this sounds like? Uh, just from a 30,000-foot view. Obviously, I'm not inside. But this sounds just like an NFL team that's got a veteran linebacker. And he's great. And he was, uh, he's been an all-pro and helped them with a great defense win the Super Bowl. But he's 35, 36. And he's just not getting to the sideline as fast as he used to. And he's just missing a couple tackles a game. He's just losing his step a little bit. He's still really good, and everybody loves him, and he's a Hall of Famer, but he's just missing a step a little bit. And the team drafts a young linebacker from Ohio State with the intention of that young linebacker from Ohio State taking his spot soon. And the veteran linebacker doesn't realize it. There was an opportunity for this to be a celebration. But Eli Gold did not want to stop doing his job. And the people at Alabama decided that they were ready for Chris Stewart to take over. Chris is an extremely talented broadcaster. He's very, very good. And has done everything that has been asked of him. And he doesn't talk out of school either. Like, Chris is a dear friend, and we've talked about this situation in the past, not not in the last couple of days. Um, and I'm, I'm certainly not divulging anything from those conversations. But even, like, off to the side as friends just talking, Chris was very cautious. He was very deferential. He was very respectful to everything that Eli Gold has done. He is aware of what Eli Gold meant to Alabama fans. And he's just doing his job. And that's what he's going to keep doing. Chris is just going to keep doing his job. And by the way, most Alabama fans that I've seen or read online have been like, this really stinks, but Chris is great. And they're right. He is. It's not like they're in, it's not like they're saying, Eli's got to go. Who should we get now? It's going to be the most seamless transition that there could possibly have been, but it's now messy. I hope, and it's possible that it happened later in this interview. This was about a 10-minute interview. I hope there there comes a point where Eli Gold, for all the success that he's had, graciously congratulates Chris Stewart on the opportunity to take on that responsibility and wishes him well. Chris deserves that from Eli Gold. This is another example, by the way. Remember we talked last week, it, and it's it's happening again here. 
And when, you know, as, as years goes on and, and people change and stuff, it all remains, right? I mean, there, there have been great college football coaches that have left for a myriad of reasons, and they've been replaced by great college football coaches, whether at that school or different schools. And uh, life and things go on. Wheels turn. Wheel in the sky keeps on turning. Shout out Journey. But that's, a, it, hey, Dad. that's it, a, hey, Dad. another legendary broadcaster whose voice is synonymous with an institution. And, and I have Alabama fatigue more than any person listening to this probably. But I'd be lying to you if I said I, on Saturday if I'm driving around and Alabama's on, I'll put them on the radio. I'll listen to Alabama football because it's Alabama. Mm-hmm. And so Vern hanging it up. I mean, he's already not on SEC anymore, but Vern no longer the, the voice of the Masters. That That is that's gone. Eli Gold, no longer the voice of the Alabama Crimson Tide. There will be Jim a day. Vance would like a word, by the way. I know. But but it, soon Lee Corso is not going to be on college game day anymore. It, it just, we are, legends are departing. Jim Nance not calling right. March Madness after this yeah. year. Mm. Last year was the last. Last year. He's done. Jim Nance is not calling March Madness anymore. We, we are... All these these legends of the broadcasting game, whose voices are synonymous with the events, are are departing. It is a lot lately. Hey, Dad, I have a list when we come back that I think will entertain you. Okay. We are now to the point where only four, four of the soon to be sixteen radio play by play broadcasters in the SEC began their tenures in the 90s or before. Only four of them. We'll give you that whole list when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, Super Talk TV, with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Sports Talk Mississippi is back. Yeah! Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Show's brought to you in part by M-Trade Park, which is a place where we will be one week from tomorrow. M-Trade Park, they are off and rolling with the spring season of tournaments. Whether it's baseball, fast pitch, or soccer, they've got it going at M-Trade Park. If you are involved with scheduling for your son or daughter's team, be sure you check out the website, mtradepark.com. Go to the events page. And check out the tournaments that are coming up. It's easy to register right there online. Great facilities, great people running those. They are exceptionally well run. It's a very professional experience at M-Trade Park. You're going to enjoy them, and the kids will enjoy it as well. If you're going to play, play M-Trade, mtradepark.com. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky. I told you had this list. SEC football announcers by seniority. And uh, my friend Brett Norsworthy put this together. He sent it to me last night, and he said, with a couple of these guys, I gave them credit for time served before they became the full-time radio play-by-play announcer. So here you go. The longest tenured announcer in the SEC is? Oh, I thought you were going to make me guess. 
Yeah, make him guess. I want to see how much. Uh, I, I want to. I want to see this. Who is the longest tenured radio announcer in the SEC, Brian Haydad? There's only two choices, I think. I, I'm going to go with David Kellum. It is David Kellum. He began in a full-time role in 1989 at Ole Miss. Only announcer who began his broadcasting tenure of football. These are football only in uh, in a, a year that started with an eight. Yeah. Who's next on the list? Number two. Bob Kessling. It is not Bob Kessling. This is eight years before Bob Kessling. Remember, John Ward retired following Tennessee's national championship season in 1998. Okay. Bob so Kessling Kessling's began on our list. in 1999. He's fourth on the list. So he's on our list. There are uh, two it's not. between David Kellum and Bob Kessling. i got to give you a hint on number two. Oh, hold on, let me think of the first one. Is it is it the guy at Kentucky? He's number three. Okay. Tom Leach began at Kentucky in 1997. I knew he'd been there a long time. So, so your hint is mm. it's one of the more recently added teams in the SEC. Are we talking like Oklahoma, Texas? Or no, no, no. Recent no, or no, Texas no. A&M? Mike, Mike okay. Kelly at Missouri in 1991. Okay, I would never have gotten. Him. Yeah, that's what that's what I was trying. All right, number five. Craig Way at Texas started in 2001. Number six, and this is interesting because this is a football-only announcer. Can you tell me who the uh, the football-only announcer is in the SEC? Is it the guy at Georgia? No. No, Scott does basketball also. Okay. I don't know enough of their names. Todd um, Ellis at South Carolina. Former Carolina uh, quarterback, who you would think would be an analyst. Yeah. He started at South Carolina in 2003. Guy. He is the play-by-play guy. Huh. Um, Chuck Barrett took over in 2007 at Arkansas. So Mike Nail had that job for a long time. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, that's not right. Paul Keels had that job for a long time at Arkansas. He died. Mike Nail was in place for a year. And then Chuck took over after that. Um, so Chuck Barrett, Scott Howard at Georgia in 2009 took over for the great Larry Munson. And then you get into pretty recent stuff. All of these are a decade or so or less. Toby Rowland, one of the new announcers that's coming into the SEC at Oklahoma, started there in 2014. Chris Blair took over for Jim Hawthorne at LSU starting in 2015. Neil Price took the reins of Mississippi State football and basketball in 2017. Andrew Monaco got the job in 2018 at Texas A&M, and then he added baseball a year or two later. Dave South had been in that role for a long time. Andy Burcham replaced Rod Bramlett after his untimely death. Uh, was named uh, 2019 was his first football season. Vanderbilt only uh, three seasons with uh, Andrew Allegretta. He started in 2021. Sean Kelly got the job at Florida in 2022, and now Chris Stewart will begin the. Uh, I mean, depending the Florida on the guy that he replaced had been there a long time, right? Yeah, Mick Hubert at Florida had been. Yeah, he had been there since the late 80s. 
and uh, Sean Kelly was at ESPN Radio. He was the lead college football announcer at ESPN Radio and did basketball and NBA and college basketball and NBA and a lot of stuff. You know what I'm curious to see? In fact, I think we know people at the league office. Maybe we should send this idea to them because I like it the more I think about it. As technology is evolving, during the college football national championship game, you get all these different feeds, right? You get the all 22, all that stuff. But you also get the camera feed with the Homer radio broadcast. You get Alabama radio and Oklahoma radio. I would love for that to be a feature for every SEC game. They've already got the platform. When Mississippi so State just is put it on ESPN Plus, yeah. When Mississippi SEC State Plus. is, and maybe the, the, not enough people would watch it to, to justify the cost, but I can't imagine it's that expensive. I mean, you just connect a wire to an audio feed and use the same camera, right? But when states at Texas this year, for example, how cool would it be to watch that game with Neil when Ole Miss is playing Oklahoma? How much cooler would that be if you're having to watch that game at home instead of being there? That that it's David Kellum talking to you instead mm-hmm. of whoever ESPN assigns. I think that that would be an awesome addition to the platform for college football games to hear your radio people through your television since we know that they can do it. It's something that ESPN would have to agree to because they hold the, yeah. the rights. But... There is, as you said, precedent for that in some of the bigger events when they go to a megacast platform. Um, it it seems it, technically it would not be difficult to do. Technologically, it would not be difficult to do. Um, and ESPN, because of out of home viewing being added into their Nielsen numbers. It wouldn't affect the size of the audience for the game. They would still be able to count yeah. that toward the viewership of the game. I don't know. That's um, it's a really interesting thought because we're we're head towards streaming and technology being an everyday part of your sports viewership. <laughs> the NFL is going to have another streaming only playoff game. Amazon Prime paid one hundred and fifty million dollars for one game. You want to talk about how valuable the NFL is? Yeah. So I have a question for you, Richard. The trivia right. question, if you want to call it that. I don't. I, you may not know the answer. You may need to text Brett and ask him. Who's the longest tenured college football and play-by-play guy now, in terms of team announcers nationally? You know. Yeah. I don't know. Off PK's got to be. Head. Up there, he's got to be. Yeah. You know, people talked about Jack for the longest time, Jack Crystal. Mm-hmm. Talked about the guy at Minnesota for the longest time, who Jack surpassed late in his career. Who? I think the guy at Cal recently retired and had been there for a long time. I don't, I don't know, Hayden. We'll have to do a little digging on that. That guy used to call 49ers games, too, I think. I he did. what his name that, is. That's correct. That is that is correct. Who? Gene Deckerhoff has recently retired at Florida State, so he would not be in the mix. 
Miami's had the same guy for a long time. I, I don't remember his name, and I don't know how long. Sorry, this is probably bad radio, me trying to like randomly think through people across the country. Huh. I'll text Brett. He may very well know the answer to uh, know that. Um, Sports Talk Mississippi. Got just a little bit of time left, half an hour left with you. Michael Borky told me during the break that we've got some uh, some interesting news on the college football front from yeah. Nicole Auerbach. We'll get to that coming up. We also um, are finding out that uh, something that we talked about yesterday is being debated pretty heavily at the highest levels of college football, and that's how many teams are there going to be in the future college football playoff. We know that this year, for the 2024 season, and for the 2025 season, it's going to be 12. And we know that the format is going to be five automatic qualifiers and seven at-large bids. But we don't know what it's going to look like beyond 2025 because that's when the new contract is going to go into effect, starting with the 2026 season. Is it going to be 12 or is it going to be more? We'll get into that conversation when we come back with you. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. We're back right after this. Now, now back to Sports Talk Mississippi. And gone! What a run! I love they the clip that right out of Colonel Reb is crying. I mean, he's gone. Oh, man. Thanks for being with us this afternoon on Sports Talk Mississippi. Hey, Dad, the, uh, the, the college football game is coming this summer, and we have found out how much the players who are opting in to their likeness being included in the game, we, we, we found out how much they're going to get. Yeah. It's 600 big ones and a copy of the game. Hmm. And you're seeing all day on, on Twitter today, you're seeing uh, guys tweeting out their acceptance graphic that uh, EA is sending them. Uh, most notably uh, for this area, I guess what I saw, Quinshawn Judkins has, uh, has opted in. He will be in the game. He's not part of this area. Yeah, but I, he, he's still relevant. Da, da, da. Yeah, you're seeing those pop up all over. Uh, you, you got one yeah. from from Dart and, and all that, but I haven't seen Dart. Okay, I, I, they, I haven't seen that on Twitter. So if he's in the game, yeah, that's far more relevant. If it's in the game, he's probably got you blocked. It's in the game. <laughs> like your friend, I don't even follow Ooh, Stone the guy. Cold, my friend, my friend Stone Cold Steve Austin. No, no. You, you tweeted something about, like, oh, these people did you this big service or something, and I saw I looked at them, and one of them had me blocked. And I was like, I don't even follow the guy. Who is that? <laughs> I don't know. I'll check your, check your text. But, yeah, it's cool. Um, obviously, you'll have some guys opt out, but they're going to find out pretty quickly how 
how meaningless that is. Like the game is what's important. I, I don't I don't I don't really I don't really and truly need the the players and their names and images and likenesses. It's cool to have them. But if I just had QB1 and RB32, I, I would still play that game within, you know, 4 years of game time. So in I guess in in the real world a month and a half of play time. That team's going to be full of fake recruits anyway. So what do I care? Yeah, because you've got this discourse about well, the players they should get more. The players should get more, and they should opt out and and, and get more. And, and no, because it, if you're advising a player to opt out of this game and hold out for more money, or, or opt out because it's insulting or whatever, here's what's going to happen. Here, here's how it works in the video game world. This doesn't happen in Madden because the players are all represented by themselves, the players' association. That's how that works out. And you're not recruiting in Madden, and a new one comes out every year. But you're not recruiting. It's you're not replenishing your roster every four years. You can play with Patrick Mahomes for the next 15 seasons in your dynasty. But if you're a Texas fan and you want to play with Quinn Ewers, after this year you got to go get another quarterback. So the players become obsolete after 24 hours of gameplay anyway, for one. And two, the rosters will be edited and uploaded online for you the next day anyway because that's what people used to do back in the day. Little known fact, you could play as your favorite player because some nerd would make the rosters for every team, name them correctly with uniforms, and you could download them. So if you're Quinn Ewers, I'm just using him as an example, and you opt out of the game, I think he's actually opted in. But but if he does, within 24 hours of the release, every Texas fan will be playing as Quinn Ewers anyway. They'll already be doing it. So you might as well get your 600 bucks and be a part of it instead of being obstinate and accomplish nothing because people are going to get to use you anyway. What do NFL players get for being in uh, Madden? I don't think they report that number publicly. Okay. Yeah, I don't think it's very much, but... Yeah. I mean, it's 11,000 players in the uh, college football game from EA Sports. That's going to cost them $6.6 million paying $600 per player, plus the cost of those games. So, you know, whatever. Another million bucks. I I would love to know how many copies of the game they anticipate to sell and what the retail price is. You know, would it have hurt them to go to $1,000 a player? Would it have hurt them to be 1500 I mean, obviously when I say hurt them, I don't mean physically hurt them. I mean, how much would that affect the bottom line? I mean, if they're going to do $100 million in revenue on the sale of the game, and I just pulled that number out of thin air, and there's a $6.5 million expense for the players at $600 a game, at $1,200 per player, that number would double, and that would be a $13 million expense. So it cuts pretty significantly into the profits of the game. I mean, if you add another 6.5% in profit, that's real money. So I don't know. The last thing I could. This number's working. Yeah. The last thing I could find on 
again, they don't release these uh, numbers for Madden. I think some players get more than others because, again, they can negotiate that with the representation. But in 2017, it was $17,000 in change. And in 2018, it was $16,000 in change. Practice squad guys got 1000 bucks. Okay. And, of course, you've got to realize we're talking half the, man the roster size. Yeah. Yeah, fifty-three well, I mean, man roster, thirty-two sorry, teams. How, how many pre? How many? How many roster? How many uh, practice squad guys could there possibly have been? I can't ever remember having a practice squad guy on Madden. Yeah, well, they're there because they update the game as if it's a real yeah. life. So if a player gets hurt, they they will literally ah, okay, move somebody up in the. Yeah, so they they need them for the the transactions, but yeah, uh, significantly fewer teams, significantly fewer players. Much more valuable players, seventeen grand, a little bit different than eleven thousand of them. Still twenty five million for uh, the NFL. Yeah, say thirty teams at fifty three thousand dollars a player times fifty three man rosters. Yeah, and that's not factoring in another what two hundred thousand in practice squad money. Yeah. I don't know. It's cool though. I mean, the, the the closer we get, the more excited I get. It's uh, it's really cool. All right, what did uh, Nicole Auerbach tweet just a little bit ago? The calendar is changing. The complaining coaches are finally possibly going to get their wish. So the early signing period, the early signing day, uh, is it's not official yet, but they are working towards moving it up to starting the Wednesday before conference championship games. Oh. Okay. So there'd be, you know, a few teams in college football still playing. Everybody else, though, would be kind of in a, you know, nothing's really going on type window. So they want to move the early signing period up. This year it will be December 4th if they get this done. But also they're wanting to add, just like basketball, a summer signing period before their senior season. Okay. So it would either be July or August. So if a player truly is done with their recruiting and they just want to lock it in and be done, they can do that before their senior season, just like in basketball. That already exists. It does uh, there. So, And the, the last thing is creating letters of intent for portal players. So when they sign with a school, they are bound to that school for, for a year. Yeah. They're exploring that option as well. So you think about what that means locally. Ole Miss had, what, three, four players that they added to their portal class who later changed their minds? Mm-hmm. One of which was an academic casualty. The other two just yeah. went somewhere else. Um, that's interesting. I like the, uh, the signing period before your senior year. I like that a lot. I think that's a tough pill to swallow for elite teams that are in a conference championship game. You're in the middle of preparation to try and win a conference title, and in the middle of that week, you have National Signing Day? Yeah, you're dealing with the drama that comes with the last-minute flip, possibly. But the, apparently the rationale for this is the, the coaches want signing day to be done before portal opens. So they know exactly what they have and what they need as opposed to both of those things happening at the same time. And, well, I don't know if I'm going to 
get this defensive back from Miami, so I need to start recruiting this defensive back from... So this is only for high school players? Only for high school players. The, The portal window would stay the same, so you would have high school signing day and portal open and then subsequently close, of course. Hmm. Any initial thoughts on that? You like? Do you like the idea of the early summer period? Yeah, I think it, it, when a kid's ready to sign, because that way you don't have some of the issues you've had with schools pulling offers late and 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 things like that. If kids, are, if it, you got to make the the school commit and the player commit, but if they're ready to do that, get it out of the way. I think coaches would tell you like. If I can get a guy signed, that's one less guy I got to worry about recruiting the rest of the way. I got where I can put focus on other players. Yeah, do it. I'm, I would be in favor of that. And Does that mean fewer early offers may have to be a little bit more. Uh, I can't think of the word, but yes, so selective. You better be real sure. Selective was the word I wanted. Yes, we will wrap it up with you coming up next right here in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk. Super Talk Mississippi. So on Wednesday of this week, you had the college football playoff meetings in Dallas. What happened while they were there? Well, a lot. But there's a lot that's still to be done. Tell you about that in just a second. First, though, we'll tell you that if you are in the market for a new or a used vehicle, Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota is the place to go. Whether it's an F-150 or an Expedition or an Explorer or maybe a Ford Mustang, or on the Toyota side of things, if you're looking for a Camry or a Forerunner or a Tundra or a Sequoia or the new Toyota Crown, They've got you covered. Great selection, great inventory, knowledgeable salespeople that help you figure out what's best for you if you don't already know. But the truth of the matter is, a lot of the times you already know, and so the help that you need from the dealership is getting you into the best financing available and uh, making sure the vehicle is exactly what you want. They'll do that for you at Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota. They'll take care of you after the sale as well. Your uh, your your first oil change is uh, is on them. You can get tires rotated. You get your uh, whatever it is that you need to have done in terms of maintenance. They got you covered at Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota. You can find out more about them online at BelkFord.net, OxfordToyota.com. Check out the inventory there. Reach out to them if you want to. But what we really would suggest is that you stop by and see them in person, talk to them, and let the folks, the knowledgeable and just plain nice, a bunch of nice people that work there, Uh, the people that, kind of people that you want to deal with when you're going through the car or truck buying experience. Belk Ford, Oxford Toyota, Highway 6 West in Oxford. Please tell them that you heard about them on Sports Talk Mississippi. So, did they talk about an expanded playoff? We just got an expanded playoff. What are you talking about? Well, we got 12 for the next two years. What about after that? Bill Hancock the outgoing executive director of the college football playoff committee or the uh, the college football playoff acknowledged that the idea was discussed 
the idea of going to a 14-team playoff, but declined to provide any specific details, saying, quote, there's still work to be done. According to sources, the most dominant discussion of a new model revolved around a 14-team playoff, and college football playoff leaders left Wednesday's meeting feeling there was momentum. The bump from 12 to 14 as opposed to 16 would mostly address the issue of access rather than finances. They need to discuss how that would look in terms of automatic qualifiers. Would the Big Ten and the SEC get more than other conferences? And so on and so on. So, 14-team playoff? I don't think that that's a number that we've really given any relevant discussion time to. Does 14 make sense? I'm assuming in a 14-team scenario, you go to two buys, right? Two or not? Yeah, yeah two teams get buys. I, yes, two teams would receive buys. Yeah. So you would take 12 of the 14 teams, and with first-round games, whittle that down to six remaining teams, and then you would add in the two teams that get buys, so that you had the right number to move forward. So, uh, first of all, real quick update to a story from the previous segment. The SEC is against uh, the summer signing period. That is their stance on it. Doesn't mean it won't happen, but that is that is their stance. They are against it. Well, if the SEC is against it, it probably won't happen. So, on this playoff deal, because the reporting is that the SEC and the Big Ten both want four automatic qualifiers, that's not a serious position. Because they know nobody else is going to go for that. They know that. Greg Sankey's smart. Tony Petiti's smart. They know that nobody else is going to agree to that. So why are they proposing it? Well... I continue to think they're posturing for the breakaway. And this is just more of it. Or, or, what do you do when you go to a, into a negotiation of any, time, any kind? You've got, and let's say it's a salary negotiation... You've got a number in your head of where you want to be. So do you start with the number that you want to end on? Or do you ask for more, hoping that the negotiation gets you where you actually wanted to be? Like if they agree to pay you more, you're great with it. But if you end up where you wanted to be anyway, okay, that works out. So what if the SEC and the Big Ten know that four each is not realistic? But they negotiate two each. See, but don't you think even that, if I'm the ACC or the Big 12 or any of the other conferences that have a say, no, would be my answer. I think the SEC and the Big 10 would deserve more spots personally, but my answer would be no, absolutely not. One for everybody. You have enough ranked teams as it is anyway, but I'm not guaranteeing you another spot if you have a down year. More than well, me? No way. Well, okay, what if the SEC and the Big Ten counter with, then, okay, let's just completely do away with automatic qualifiers. Okay. We'll just go one, We'll just go top 14 in the country. How about that? Maybe that's what they want. Maybe so. Maybe asking for that which is unrealistic nets you what you ultimately want. I don't know. We can pick this discussion up tomorrow. Look forward to being with you starting at 3 o'clock tomorrow. We're all going to be here together? Yeah. On a Friday? Uh, Yeah, all three of us. Good night from the Pearl River Resort Studios. 
Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.